Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday on this March the 16th in the year of our Lord 2023. It's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. Keeping dry? Well, it doesn't rain in the house. Oh. It does if your roof's leaking. Oh, we had that fixed. Yeah, a big branch fell on the roof, and uh, it took uh, almost a year for them to oh fix it. But we had a cover over the roof in the meantime. Yeah, we had a multicolored house. But, boy, hey, you got a pretty good article today, an email that you sent me about Rick Warren's Saddleback Church. You'll remember that Rick Warren was the individual who wrote that famous book, which was The Purpose Driven Life. We had examined that book on other programs, showing the false teaching in that. Rick Warren thought he was a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, but recently the Saddleback Church, which is a megachurch founded by Warren in 1980, was expelled from the Southern Southern Baptist Convention for having a woman fill the office of teaching pastor. And... Rick Warren says the church is going to appeal the decision later this year. But since his retirement last year, the church has been led by an Andy Wood and his wife, Stacy Wood, who is referred to as the teaching pastor. And so what this article does, Rick Warren shares three Bible passages that changed his mind on women pastors. So uh, that was quite a that was yeah, quite a uh, eye opener when when he said he had three passages. So you know, as as we read through it, it's, it 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 should be evident to to our listeners that. It, it has nothing to, to to do with women being pastors, and as we delve into this, I've come up with uh, four or five other passages that they said women shouldn't be pastors. Well, let's start off with the first passage that he says shows that women should be pastors. What what is that one? Uh, the. We we know it as the Great Commission passage, Matthew 28, in which uh, Jesus spoke to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and along with you always to the end of the age. And he says that we claim that that great commission is for everybody, both men and women, 
are to fulfill the Great Commission. Therefore, that says that women are to go, women are to make disciples, women are to baptize, and women are to teach, not just men. Now, do we disagree with all of that, or do we agree with some of it? <laughs> is this a trick question? No. Yes, it is. No. <laughs> I mean, we we agree that we're, we we are to go out there and teach all nations and things of that nature. And in fact, uh, we we often see it in, in the life of a marriage couple where. Uh, an unbelieving husband is brought to faith through the, the witness of of his wife. Excellent. And and there you there you would see it uh, in terms of reaching out and, and baptizing and teaching all nations. Do we believe that a woman can baptize a child in emergencies? Very good. In fact. The rite of that baptism is found in our old hymnal at the back as to what they would say. I, I, I don't know if you've ever had a call from a parent where the child is born and near death. And so the husband or the wife or someone can baptize that child. It, it doesn't indicate that you have to be a pastor to do the baptism. Normally, we like to do it in the church so it becomes a witness to everyone, but it's not against God's command. But that does not make the woman a pastor. In other words, did your mother ever teach you about Christianity? She used to sit us down as kids and prepare us on Saturday evening because the Sunday school we went to, we we from from first grade to eighth grade, we did uh, parts of the catechism, and she would go over the catechism with us the, the night before, preparing us for Sunday school. So this passage doesn't say anything about a woman now becoming a pastor. It just indicates that both men and women should have on their minds the importance of baptizing and teaching a people that doesn't mean that they become a pastor. There, there's a statement by the Southern Baptists uh, that's very, very good. It says, in 2000, the Baptist faith and message established that the word pastor was not to be used to describe every ministerial position within a church. And so I had women who were Sunday school teachers. Did that make them pastors? No. In fact, some of the, some very fine women have been Sunday school teachers and, you know, uh, considered foundational in, in, yeah. Sunday, in Sunday school programs. I, I believe that they were better at teaching kids who were four, five, six years old than I was. I always like to give an in-depth study of the Bible and take a look at the Hebrew or the Greek, etc. 
Well, you can't do that with kids who are three and four years old. And I had some wonderful uh, women Sunday school teachers who, after listening to the law and gospel understanding of a text, which I went over with them before they taught Sunday school, they were then able to put it at the level of a child better than I was able to do it. I'm pretty good once you get to a teenager or confirmation of both youth and adults, because there you can go into more in-depth. But I'm not as good as some of those women teachers. So this idea that the first passage he looks at is okaying women ordination is ridiculous. It's a passage talking about what every Christian should be involved with as we make disciples of all nations. And many women do that with their children, getting them baptized in the church. And that doesn't make them a pastor. So, you know, as you talk about this, being something that women can do to teach. It brings to mind First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wouldn't that be the... the and, but he doesn't cite that as being women pastors, but that we're all in a priesthood. It's what Peter describes. Well, the reason we're against women pastors is because that's what the Bible says. First Timothy 2, take a look at that. The apostle Paul writes, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. That's what's really important. It's that assumption of authority over a man that God from the beginning of creation and the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, that it was the man who has the authority in the household to make sure that things are working properly according to the church. And the woman is to obey the man insofar as he's telling her what God's word says. Now, Rick Warren says that he believes in the inerrancy of the Bible. He says this is not a problem between conservatives and liberals, but we all believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. Well, if you deny a passage of the Bible that is so clear like this, there's no doubt that you do not believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. You... Well, I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And, and, and in fact, uh, they sideline some of the Bible passages that we bring up, like this uh, Second Timothy passage. And we'll, we will also see in a few other passages where they deny this. Yes. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this, also talks about how to be a pastor. 
some of the requirements of being a pastor. Are any of these important in regard to our rejection of women ordination? Oh, yeah. You go into First Timothy chapter 3, and it talks about that he should he, he should manage his own household and therefore uh, be above reproach. The husband of one wife, it doesn't say husband, husband, man, man, woman, woman, but it talks about husband, male, and female, wife. So that passage is so clear that that's part of the requirement of a pastor, that if he is married, he has to be a husband of one wife. And, of course, in our day and age, with some women trying to be males after they are born or vice versa, you know, that's how they think. But the fact of the matter is, if you believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture, you need to be the husband of one wife. doesn't say to be the wife of one man. You know, we, we cite this first Timothy chapter 3 verse, but it also appears elsewhere. You know where that's at? Sure. Many places. Ti- What's the one you're thinking yeah. of? Titus. Titus chapter 1, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, then goes yes. on the list the other things. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that if a man is divorced, it really doesn't matter what reason. If he is under divorce, he should not be a pastor. And the reason I say that is I've had some experiences of pastors who continue in the ministry after the divorce, and there are many people who won't contact him dealing with marriage problems, etc., because they know he had a divorce and they aren't comfortable with talking to somebody. What was that one passage you said that he's a ruler over his house or what was that, how that went? Uh, uh, how, uh, how they manage their own house. You see. Uh, with the care well, of God's church. This is an authority question. God has a family ruled by Jesus Christ. But the authority is worked through the husband who is to manage the household. I said this at church just last Sunday, in fact. I was talking about in a marriage, my wife was sitting there. I said, what is the authority of a wife in a marriage? Who is she to listen to? And nobody in the congregation in the Bible study would answer it. You, you can see the wives were a little uncomfortable in answering it because they were sitting with their husbands. And finally, somebody in the congregation just said, Jesus. And I said, finally, somebody's got it right. That the woman's authority in the household is Jesus, which does come through the husband. But if I told my wife to do something that was a sin, should she listen to me? Mm. Yeah. Yeah? (laughs) Up to a certain point when it comes to you and Louise. 
Oh, so you tell your per- your wife to sin and she's to listen to you? <laughs> what kind uh, of marriage no. have you got? <laughs> no. The yeah. answer is no. She should not listen to me. Because her authority is really Jesus that the husband is supposed to follow. Remember Ephesians talks about the marriage that the husband to the wife is like Christ to the church where Christ gives the information as to how to live a Christian life, but also his commands are to be those from the Bible. I would say that 90% of the decisions a person makes in a marriage has nothing to do with the Bible. And therefore, uh, the wife can follow her own will in deciding how to paint the house, what to make for meals, uh, what roof to put on, etc. But when it comes to Christian things, she follows the advice of a Christian husband because he is following the advice of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, you know, I... I quote that first Peter chapter two royal priesthood a holy nation yes but it doesn't really stop there you continue to read first Peter and you get into chapter three and it talks about wives how they should be subject to their husband and and uh, obeying the word of God and then it goes on to say likewise husbands live, live with your wives in an understanding way so yes it does speak out in, in a good relationship between a husband and a wife. Okay, so we've looked at that first passage, namely about all of us wanting to make disciples, uh, teach others that women do, and also baptize. What's the second passage that he, he used, had his mind changed on women ordination? Joel. Joel chapter 2, no, verse 20. No, no, the second passage is Didn't Acts you... chapter 2. Namely, Pentecost. Well, Acts chapter 2. Yes. And what does he say Holy about Spirit. that? Well, in which the Holy Spirit came down to the early church and those presence were speaking in foreign tongues. He was talking about that there were women in the room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, including the women. Yes. And they were preaching in tongues and that the the women were out there preaching on the day of Pentecost. For a woman to be filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that they are now a pastor. In fact, when are women filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, in particular at our baptism. Yes. Every woman, I don't know how many adults you've baptized. I baptize a lot of infants, but also many adults who became members of the Lutheran Church through adult instruction. It didn't matter whether they were men or women. They were filled with the Holy Spirit at their baptism, received the faith of God, but I didn't turn around to the congregation and introduce all the women as pastors. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think about 
towards the end of my ministry, one, one, uh, one, one of the baptisms I had was was, uh, was of of a lady that married into the congregation, and her children as well. Exactly. So she had been married before, and the whole family came in in baptism and confirmation. And what's the third passage that changed his mind? You're going to talk about the Joel passage? Or you want John John 20? The the Joel passage deals with Pentecost. The third passage is John 20, verse 17, when Jesus Jesus told Mary Magdalene to tell the disciples about his resurrection. And then he says, that Jesus chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. The word preacher appears nowhere there. And when he's saying that, therefore, if a woman tells someone about Jesus Christ, they're to be considered to be a pastor? (laughs) Yeah, I found that one a little bit hard to believe, too. I mean, the... Bible is talked about in, in Acts, for instance, Priscilla and Aquila were people who, who shared the good news, but you never yes. heard of Priscilla being called a pastor. No, no. The, the word pastor doesn't mean, as the Southern Baptist Convention correctly says, that anything that you are doing in the church, therefore, makes you a pastor. And therefore, this Saddleback Church has a woman as the teaching pastor, which is heresy. And and that's why the Saddleback Church no longer believes in the inerrancy of the Bible and were rightly removed. There's one statement I really want to make that was written by Rick Warren in regard to this. Listen to this. He added that while he supported women becoming pastor, he stressed that it doesn't bother me if you disagree with me because I have to say I could be wrong. Now, that's how you and I end every sermon, right? (laughs) No. It doesn't matter if you agree with what I said in the sermon. I just want to tell you I could be wrong. No, and that is not a pastor of the Christian faith. We pastors have to be assured of what we say cannot be wrong because we believe in the true inerrancy of the Bible and therefore read it as it says. And therefore, it would be like me saying, well, you know, homosexuality is a sin against Almighty God that can lead someone, of course, to hell. But I could be wrong on that. So if you have children who have decided to be like that or a friend, you know, don't bother telling them about it because I could be wrong. For a pastor to say that, shows he's not a Christian pastor. Well, it shows he doesn't know his Bible at all, too. I mean, which leads leads to that. We we might, might, I'm not saying that we would, 
say in, in a Bible class, uh, challenging the people to, to to show show the pastor where where it might be wrong uh, on on that. But uh, generally, I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do what? I, I don't understand. What's that? I, I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, well, it's it's generally in a Bible class where you have open discussion, right? And they go back and forth, and but the pastor is not saying that he's wrong. He says, "I'll check into that for you." Uh, on this item on women ordination? No, on on various stuff of the Bible and Aaron. Oh, of, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I think that. Yeah, there's no doubt that a pastor doesn't know all the answers. And so there may be a question given that um, the pastor doesn't know the answer, and he'll say, I'll check in on that. He doesn't say whether it's right or wrong. He's just going to make a point in checking in. Um, There's a very, very interesting article in this issue of the Concordia Journal which comes from Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. And it's Jeffrey Gibbs, who is a professor there. And he takes a look at this passage. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He has a lengthy article indicating, and he's got a lot of Bible verses behind it, that Jesus is not talking about when you die and go to heaven, but that right here on earth, he's taking you to a proper place, namely his presence. And so there's a great article showing a new understanding of a passage, but he backs it up with a lot of Bible passages. Well, thanks for helping us see that Rick Warren's view on women ordination is an error. We may talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. You can email me and we'll see what we're going to say. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.